you reign Lord my God reigns oh God reigns you reign praise be to the king <laughs> blessed be the name of the Lord who reigns forevermore for you are great and greatly to be praised. For you are great in Zion. For thine is the glory, thine is the greatness, and the power, and the honor, and the victory and majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is thine. For who can be compared unto you? Among the gods, who can be likened unto you? For all the gods of the nations are but idols, but you created and made the heavens and the earth. We will praise you every day and extol you all day. For you are holy in all your ways and righteous in all your works. For this reason all thy sins shall bless thee. You are wonderful. You are merciful. The omnipotent, omnipresent and omniscient King. The gracious one, the lover of our souls, the one who maketh the streams of our hearts glad, we are before you. For Lord, will you open up your hands and satisfy the desires of every living thing? And we are here with our hearts opened that Lord, you satisfy our souls with the riches of your word. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We ask that you open the eyes of understanding that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us, Lord, who have believed according to the working of your glorious power which was wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come. We sit at your feet. That we all with an unveiled face as we behold us in the mirror the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by your spirit. For they grow from strength to strength them that appear in Zion. For those whose feet are planted in the house of God shall flourish and bear fruit in their old age. Lord as we abide we are fruitful in the name of the Lord Jesus. There will be a transformation for you are a son. There will be a radiation for you are a glory. There will be a weight. Thank you that we are not living here the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Father. Now I am. Uh, shake the person sitting on your left or your right and tell the person you are welcome it's time for the word so please pay attention so you're welcome you're looking like Jesus if you say you're looking beautiful it may interpret something else so just say you're looking like Jesus and be free hallelujah praise the Lord alright so uh, I wanted to um, share 
um, something that I had planned to, but the Lord interrupted the whole message and then gave me a message for you today, um, which I titled The Blessedness of the Word. You are not rejoicing over the word. David said, I rejoice over your word like I found a great spoil. Now the word spoil actually in the Hebrew means jackpot. You know when you win Lotto, the joy. You know the super bet, those of you have been doing super bet. When you win super bet, let's say 50,000 Ghana cities, that joy. David said he rejoices at the word like he has found, he has won super bet. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said today I'm teaching on the blessedness of the word. Yeah. Glory to God. Now come with me to the book of John chapter 1 the verse 1 to 5. John chapter 1 the verse 1 5. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, every child of God must understand that there is a divine blessedness in the reading, the study, the meditation and the memorization and finally, obedience of the word of God. The Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It goes on to establish the fact that it was by the word that creation came into existence. And much more, we are reminded again by the word of God that in him, that means the word of God is now personified. In him, the word, which was God, was life. And that life was the light of man. The Bible says the light shineth into darkness and darkness comprehended it not. Now, which means whatever the word of God represents, anyone who fuses with that word will reflect I repeat myself again. Whatever the word of God represents, anyone who fuses with the word of God will reflect it. He says, in the beginning was the word. First of all, what God wants, to under, wants, wants us to understand that the beginning of everything was his word. Which means every child of God must make the word of God first place in his life. In the beginning, that means you begin every doing, every being, every word with the word of God. In the beginning was the word. So everything about the Christian life must begin from the word. And the 
word was with God. That means you must keep the word with you. And the word was God. Now, this is a beautiful equation. Anyone that begins with the word of God will eventually keep the word of God with him and eventually he becomes what the word of God is, which is God. So, you begin with the word of God and end the you end living the divine life. He says in him was life. That means you begin to experience a different life when the word of God fuses with your life. And that life was the light of man. The word of God will bring you light. So if you want to shine in any dark area of your life, it begins with the word. If you want to shine in every dark area of your life, then in the beginning was the word. Hear me carefully. To have a walk in this life, you need two legs. Likewise, to have a walk with God, you also need two spiritual legs. One is the word of God and the other is prayer. But today we are centering on the word. So, to have a walk in this life, if you walk on one leg, then you are limping. You will not, you can't run fast. You can make progress, but your progress will be very steady and slow. There is nothing wrong with having one leg, but there are so many things you can do. So for you to be effective, you will have to run on two legs. Likewise, for a believer to be effective, he would need to run on two legs. And those spiritual legs are prayer and the word of God. In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostle Peter said, But we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. They went back to the foundation. These are the two legs that kept the early church. The word and prayer. So, we need to understand that the devil knows this. That is what, oh, this is good. I just got it. I just got it. So, do you realize that you are more effective when your legs are functioning? When your legs are not functioning, it means you are paralyzed. And when you are paralyzed, you, you are handicapped, you are restricted, you are limited. You, you, there are boundaries you can't cross. Likewise, the devil is looking out for your two spiritual legs, which is the word of God and prayer in your life. And he wants to end up making you spiritually paralyzed. So simply put, any child of God without the word of God and prayer in his life will be spiritually paralyzed. Which means your life will be so limited. And God can do much with you and much through you and much in you. <laughs> that's why when you wake up in the morning, that's why the devil will remind you about your job rather than the business in God's word. That's why the first thing Satan loves to remind you is about the progress of 
the material things around you. So you become so worried that you forget about in the beginning was the word. In the book of Psalm 119 verse 67. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Ah. <laughs> before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. When you join these equations, that means the first way a Christian begins to stray is by neglecting the word of God. So hear me, there are legalities in the spirit. And one of the legalities in the spirit is that a believer who neglects the word of God will give opportunity and will open a door for the enemy to afflict him. So David knew this and he gave us a clue about the spiritual work and he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So hear me, neglecting the word of God is not just a sin, it's a legality. It's a legal issue. Satan will take advantage of that legality to afflict you. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So hear me, affliction comes after strain. So please hear me. Don't be surprised by certain afflictions that come when you don't give first place to the word of God. For the entrance of thy word giveth what? Light and understanding to the simple. If you are a child of God, not walking in light. For thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119 verse 105. That word is what guides you. Which means the word of God is your spiritual compass. So without that word, the believer is directionless. You will do guesswork in life. Imagine you are going somewhere and you are busy. And you get to a place, you discover that you don't know the directions to the place. You will go on a merry-go-round. You don't know the direction. You move here, you move there, you will burn fuel. Hear me? Anytime you don't give precedence to the word of God, you will waste life. Because life is your spiritual fuel. You will waste it. And many are wasting their time now. <laughs> the enemy is helping them to waste their time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, do you realize that the Bible tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? And the Bible from the verse 2 began to give us an account of how the recreation process was. And in the book of Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us about how God created a garden and planted it in Eden. And placed two trees there. Remember the garden was finished before Adam was planted. So Adam was planted into the finished work of God. And in the garden were two things. The first thing was the tree of life. 
The second thing was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said to Adam, of every tree you may freely eat. So God was giving him access first to the tree of life. Then he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, 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 so the question is, did it mean that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is bad? Now, because I've heard people say that if God knew that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was bad, why did he put it in the garden? Have you heard that before? If God knew that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will kill man by separating him from God, then why did God plant that which will kill man? That's a hard bone to chew. But you see, we need to understand that God is perfect in all his ways. The psalm is said in Psalm 145. He says all his ways are righteous and all his works are holy. So whatever God doeth is righteous. So we need to rather find out why God planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now hear me. <laughs> the problem with the tree was not that the tree was bad. The problem was that the timing for the eating was wrong. God intended that man would eventually eat from the two trees. Hear me carefully. God intended that these two trees should be fed on by man. But the challenge is timing. And mind you, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is not the tree of the knowledge of wickedness and goodness. That word good there is not like being good to someone. The word good there means pleasant. That which is pleasant. The word evil there is not murder. The word evil there is actually unpleasant. So, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree that gives one the opportunity to choose for himself what is pleasant and what is unpleasant. And by that time, God is the only one who has knowledge of good and evil or who determines what is pleasant and what is not pleasant and still remains God. Have you noticed that when man ate from that tree, because he ate it outside of God's restriction, now man's knowledge shows that a man and a man should sleep together. That was, that was the effect of going ahead of God. So now, to man after the fall, it's no longer Adam and Eve, it's now Adam and Steve. So, are you realizing the effect of that tree? So, when man partook of the knowledge of that which is pleasant and unpleasant, outside of God's restriction, it became a fall. Because God has to lead you to that tree to guide you on how to eat and experience him. Now, I'll give you an example. Have you realized that when you were in um, Genesis, there was a time, there was a show called Ekumama Mazimbe. That was being shown. You realize that they, they, they start the show around what time? 11. Around 11. It's called Umbada. Now they talk about sex a lot. Now, question is sex bad? Is sex bad? You are not here with me. Is sex bad? But you see, 
at your age, having the knowledge a commerce gives, will create an edge inside you which you don't understand. And that edge will make you do something before you understand you are dead. When I say dead, I'm not just talking about physical death. When I say dead, I'm talking about impregnating a woman and paying school fees and buying pampers. When you are not working as a student. That's death. Let's assume a man has four cars and he has a son who is two years. Does the four cars technically belong to his son? It belongs to him because he's an heir. But the challenge is that he can't have the keys because time is not yet up for keys. So, remember, Adam was born physically matured but mentally immature. So God did not forget that. God wanted to take him through a process. What is the process? First, it's life. When you eat life, which is my life, you will now have capacity to share in my knowledge. Are you following what I'm saying? So hear me. God is the one who determines pleasant and unpleasant. When, when man takes that place eh, to determine what is right from God, now that's why Satan, what Satan said to man was technically right, but truthfully wrong. He said to him that the Lord knows that in the day you eat, you shall become like God. It's true. Because now when you are able to choose what is good for you and what is evil for you, you have become like God. Because you can determine what is good for you. That's why a girl will say, this is what is good for me. I want a boy. And I want to give my bottles. That is good for me. That is the place of God. Hear me. You can only take the place of God in God. You can't take the place of God outside God. So it is God that must bring you to his place. Anytime a man tries to take the place of God outside of God, the end result is death. So the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a timing problem. It was a process man truncated. The first process is to eat eternal life. Second process is to feed on knowledge. Because when you are alive in God by eternal life, you will have the capacity God has to be able to choose right and wrong or good and evil or pleasant and unpleasant and still remain who you are. So do you realize that Ekumama Mazimi's program was not wrong. But the timing for an age is not is wrong. That knowledge is good for a married couple. But that knowledge is poison and death for a child. 
Are you getting that? So by the timing of Adam, the tree became death. But if he allowed God's timing, the tree would have become a means through which man would have advanced in his walk with God. Likewise, whatever we saw in the garden is what we are experiencing in the Christian walk today. Remember God wanted him to eat from which tree first? The tree of life which we have because Christ is the tree of life. When we believe Christ, he comes to live in us and we receive eternal life. The next process after eternal life is knowledge. So hear me. The word of God is what gives you the knowledge of good and evil. The word of God is what gives you the knowledge of what is pleasant and what is unpleasant. So hear me. Without the word of God, man will choose his own way and his own way may produce death. So the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end of that way is what? Death. So technically, any way you choose outside of God's word will produce death like it produced in Adam. And what was that death? Separation from God. So hear me. Any child of God that chooses a way outside of God's word will separate himself from his work with God. So what we call the fall was actually a timing and process problem. God intends that we receive his life, which is the life of his son. Then the life of his son in, in us will now begin to give us capacity because we are now like God. We cannot be able to choose that which is pleasant and unpleasant and that will not harm us. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> without me, life, you can do nothing. So, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was actually the pathway to spiritual progress. So, in the book of First Timothy chapter 2, the verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, God who will have all men to be what? Saved. That is number one. And to come to the knowledge of their truth. Hear me carefully. This is telling us the same revelation in the garden. God's will was the two trees. God who will have all men to be saved. The tree of life. Salvation. What's the second process? And to come to knowledge. So hear me. After you are saved, the next part of spiritual progress is the word of God which brings you spiritual direction and a pathway to actually know what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is evil. What is pleasant and what is unpleasant. For example, without God, Money in the hands of man can be dangerous. 
A Christian by knowledge of good and evil now knows that any money belongs to him belongs to who? God. So he doesn't mess it up. I'm told of some of the footballers we have today. Yesterday I was being told that these footballers have so much money that now they can hire or rent any girl. Now, they have the money, but the knowledge to use that money outside of God is producing debt because they use it for women which end their career. I'm teaching you there. <laughs> what a word. So, let me break this bowl. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not a bad tree. It was a pleasant, a good, and a perfect tree which was in the will of God, but it was not yet time for man to eat. When you are born again, it's time to know. I've not started the foundation. <laughs> now, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, if you, are, if you were around last week during our Calvary conference, you understand this better. In Exodus chapter 12, which speaks of the Passover lamb, the Bible tells us that before Israel came out of captivity, Moses, God had to perform 10 miracles, 9 miracles, to convince Pharaoh that Israel must come out. Pharaoh didn't listen to him. There was one final miracle which brought Israel from captivity. Which miracle was the miracle of the Passover when there was the death of the firstborns in Egypt. Now, it happened in the reality that a lamb was arrested, kept for four days to be examined. And the lamb was killed by the whole assembly. And the blood of the lamb was applied on the what? The door post. Now, surprisingly, when you sprinkle, they were supposed to use high soap. It's a plant. You were supposed to dip the high soap in the blood and then they sprinkle it on the top of the door and on the side. Now, when you sprinkle something at the top, what happens? It what drips down and on the lintel, which is a picture of the cross. Which tells us that the cross is the door through which a man may enter and be saved. So the door through which they were saved was actually Christ. Just like Noah's door. Which brought them into the reality of the ark and they were saved. So now, the blood was working outside. But they were supposed to do something in inside. According to the book of Exodus chapter 12, God told them to roast the flesh of the lamb and eat the flesh of the lamb inside the room. So hear me. If you only applied the blood and you did not eat of his flesh, your salvation is not complete because the blood saved you from death but the flesh gives you strength to come out of Egypt. So the blood was for their salvation. The flesh was for the strength of their salvation. So after you are born again, you need strength to walk your Christian life. 
Remember they walked through the wilderness. They journeyed. Without food, your journey will be static. You can't move. So God said, feed on the flesh of the lamb, roasted. Anything that is roasted has gone through fire. And fire signifies judgment. Anything that goes through fire has gone judgment. And remember that judgment is always in, revealed in the execution of Christ. On the cross, God was judging his son. That's why the flesh was roasted. The judgment of our sins that came upon Jesus. And we are supposed to eat on the flesh. Now pay attention to this. If you don't eat the flesh, you may be saved from death, but you may be weak from walking a life. <laughs> Are you following this thing? And God told them to roast three parts of the lamb. The first was what? The head. Second, the legs. Third, the intestines. Remember, I said the head is the thinking organ. Legs is the walking organ. Intestines is the living organ. Telling us that, listen, who was the lamb representing? Christ. Which means after salvation, we are supposed to feed on Christ until we begin to think like him, walk like him, and live like him. So hear me. The blood was outside to secure their salvation. The flesh was inside to secure their strength. There are many Christians today who have been saved by his blood and they are in the room, Christ. Because Christ is the room. If any man be in Christ. So Christ is our room. In him we move and live and have our being. Christ is our room. Remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Now, technically, it, that's tautology. Because you can have a house in a mansion. You cannot have a mansion in a house. So when he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. It doesn't make sense. How can you have mansions in a house? That word mansion in Greek is money, which means rooms. So he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I go. Where was he going? He was not going to heaven. Where he was going was the cross to prepare a place in him. And I'll come again and receive you to myself so that where I am in the Father, you may also be. So the place Jesus went to prepare was not a piece of real estate, but a real state of peace in him. <laughs> I'm teaching good here. Does it mean there are no houses in heaven? There are. But that place was a place in him. That's what the Bible says. If any man be in, in him. That's why the New Testament reveals in him realities. In him we have righteousness. In him we are holy. In whom? In him. That's the language of the New Testament. Because Christ is not just a person. Christ is a place. So hear me. The blood was for their salvation. The flesh was for their strength. So hear me. After you are born again, believing in what Christ did for you, you are now in Christ. You don't remain idle in Christ. You must be busy eating. And that food is Jesus. In 
the beginning was the word. In him was life. So the word was him. So that lamb they were feeding on was Christ. We are supposed to feed on Jesus. When you are feeding on the word of God, you are feeding on Jesus. When you are feeding on the finished work, you are feeding on Jesus. So the revelation of the word of God is what gives you spiritual capacity to walk in the midst of the wilderness. And the wilderness signifies the world. So hear me. You can't walk in this world without the word. <laughs> Do you hear me? You can't walk in this world without the word of God. Because the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. We are talking about the blessedness of the word of God. Every child of God is supposed to eat Jesus. So every morning when you take the Bible, Matthew chapter 4, the verse 4 comes to mind. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus Christ came and said, your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness and still perished. But this is a manna that came from heaven that a man may eat and not die. Telling us that the manna Israel ate in the Old Testament was a person. And hear me, they ate that manna for 40 years. And the Bible says none of them were sick. Their problem with the manna was not hunger. Their problem was boredom. So, do you remember it got to a time they said they wanted meat? Because they have eaten manna for a long time. It was not that the manna was not satisfying them. They were bored with the manna. So God provided locusts for them. The day they were eating it, God's anger came upon them and killed many people with the plague. And in the New Testament, the Bible called that activity that happened temptation of Christ. Hey. So listen. Anytime you get bored with Christ, that's what you did. Anytime you get bored with the word of God, you are saying, God, I have eaten manna, I want something else. And that in spiritual intelligence is called despising of Christ. So hear me, in the New Testament, this is your manna. They were supposed to eat it every morning. Now watch this. If you collect more than necessary and you say, I don't want to go tomorrow, so I will take more that can survive for tomorrow. By the time you store it, the next morning to turn into worms. You know why? Because the word of God must be taken fresh every day. You don't study for next week, you study for today. <laughs> you don't study for tomorrow, you study for today. So every time God rains manna. Now, interestingly enough, God rained the manna. They collected it. For you to collect it, you must leave your house, your comfort zone. For you to enjoy the manna, the, <laughs> the manna doesn't rain in your bedroom. It rains outside and you must get up early in the morning, dress up and go preparedly to go and collect it. That means there is an effort and labor in collecting manna. 
So what the Bible is telling us here that as a child of God, it takes an effort to collect God's manner. It doesn't rain on you. You don't wake up with the knowledge of the word of God. You get ready. You prepare yourself to study the word of God. It's the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Meditate the word of God. And obey the word of God. It's an effort. So don't tell me, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like reading my Bible. That means you are saying like Israel, I don't feel like eating manna today. You'll be hungry and you will die. So what manna meant for their physical sustenance, the word of God means for our, for our spiritual sustenance. So if they ate that manna and they were healthy, when we eat this manna, we become healthy. You will hardly go through spiritual sicknesses when this word is inside you. Emotional crisis, it can't it can survive. Depression. A man of the word, depressed. It can't happen. Sometimes I want to be depressed, it can't come. <laughs> the thing does it, it can't come. I can't imagine myself depressed. Emotional crisis. Every five minutes, I'm thanking Jesus. Every 30 minutes, I'm praising Jesus. I'm singing a song. I'm blessing him. I'm thanking him. Where is it coming from? This week, they gave me the bill for the iron rods for the foundation of the building. And when they sent it to me, I laughed. I wanted to be sad. Sorrow was not there. So I said, let me laugh. <laughs> Sorrow was not there. Listen, when you are filled with the word, you become so full that any foreign thing can enter because it doesn't have space. I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> Just want to get the word inside. Get the word inside. Be anxious for nothing. Get the word inside. You can be without money and still rejoice in the Lord. You know why? Because you are filled with the word of God. Listen, if material things determines the size of your smile, you are weak. Apostle Paul was in prison when he told the Philippian church to rejoice. I say again, rejoice always. And you? The word of God! It carries blessedness. I still haven't started teaching. <laughs> Tell someone the blessedness of the word. Listen, listen, if you neglect the word of God, eh, you are being robbed. It's armed robbery. You have given Satan the chance to rob you because not studying the word, neglecting the word of God is opening a door. You are saying, My house is free to be robbed. And Satan is always looking for a loophole, he's hoping for, he's looking for an open gate. Have you forgotten the Bible says he moves to and fro? Like a roaring lion. Seeking whom? So listen, listen. Every time Satan is moving around, 
checking out for those whose gates are opened. Checking out for those whose padlocks have been removed. Checking out for those whose, whose security system to protect their heart has been compromised. He's checking out for those who have given him the password to their heart. He's looking out for those who have given the passcode to what borders their heart. And he'll punch out the hole there. <laughs> he'll punch out it. Satan currently has no clue about how my emotions operate. He has no clue because I shock him every time. I love the word. Listen, I repeat again. Neglecting the word of God is access for robbery. Granting access for robbery. And Satan is not a good thief. You know there are thieves who can take your TV and leave your tape. They show you kindness. There are thieves who steal everything, including your sleepers. And they have milk in the fridge. They take everything so you have nothing. That's what Satan does. He robs everything out of your life. I know what I'm saying. I know it. And hear me. You see, you may think that currently Satan has only stolen your joy. No, 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 no. See, <laughs> this thing is an equation. Eh? Your joy, your peace, and the other virtues of the spirit are all linked together. So when Satan comes for your joy, he will soon be coming for your peace. So don't think you are fine. He's coming for the rest until he takes everything and you are left with nothing. You have no spiritual wealth in Christ. That is what he's looking for. Anytime you begin to think of committing suicide, that means all your spiritual resources have been stolen. You are completely bankrupt. Listen, let me tell you something. Your heart eh, is a banking system. Anytime you are studying the word of God, you are making deposit. Anytime there's trouble, the Holy Ghost will do what? Redrawal to help you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin. <laughs> So your heart is a whole banking system. We make deposits and we make withdrawals every single time. So some of you are looking for withdrawals when you have made no deposit. You want to reap from where you have not sown. You are a wicked man. And you see, the challenge is that, and these are people who are blaming God. God, when I needed you, hey, 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 hold on. How much have you stored in account? How much money do you have in bank? It's like going to a bank, telling the bank that you want money. And they say, how much? You said 20,000. They check your account. Your account is zero. He said, it doesn't matter. Still give me the money. <laughs> Some of you, heaven will call the security system, the angels, to come and sack you from where you are. I'm telling you reality. You have made no deposit. You have stored nothing. Hear me. Every... <laughs> every revelation is spiritual currency. That is why the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and by the hearing of the word of God. 
You cannot withdraw what you don't have. You can't have faith for what you don't know. Now, so the only potency of faith is revealed in the potency and riches of God's word. So without the word, you have no faith. So every revelation that you deposit is actually your financial resources. Thank you, Jesus. So hear me. If this whole week you never study the word of God, like I'm telling you, you never open your Bible, you never listen to any anointed teaching this whole week. I am telling you, you have been robbed. You are spiritually broke. You made no deposit. So in time of trouble, don't blame God. In time of trouble, don't say, God has hurt me. God has disappointed me. In time of trouble, don't say, God, where are you? He's asking, what do you have? Have you noticed before God worked a miracle with Moses? Uh, he didn't ring the miracle from above. He asked Moses, what do you have in your hands? Then he says, cast it down. God will only use what you have in your hand. What you have stored in your account. That is what God will use. So hear me, miracles don't rain from heaven. God partners the miracle with you. So if you give him nothing, you have nothing for him to use. He said, God, I'm losing my peace. How many verses on peace do you have? Start from there. And that same rod, that was ordinary. God used it for extraordinary things. So the rod turned into a serpent. The rod divided the sea. The rod brought darkness. The rod wrought many miracles. That thing which you have as revelation in your hands, it will wrought mighty miracles because God can use it. I'm teaching good here. Oh my goodness. Now all these things I'm sharing with you are things I receive for my morning devotion. <laughs> I'm teaching good here. Now come with me to the things I'm really what do I start from? Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. This is interesting. Now Jesus says, count to me all ye that are what? Now what? Labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Next verse. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Come to the next verse. For my yoke is easy and my bending is light. <laughs> this is amazing. Now, this verse reveals to us two kinds of rest we have in the New Testament. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. That, that's those who are burdened with the slavery of sin. He says the solution is to come. That's faith. And I will give you rest. That's the gift of salvation. So when you believe in Jesus, what he gives to you is called rest. That's a gift. You don't work for it. Then again, he says, 
take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm going to show you what he meant. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And I will show you what it means by meek and lowly in heart. Meekness is not... <laughs> the Bible says, therefore, let us lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the ingratitude. Meekness is openness to receive from God. <laughs> so... That was just by the way, in Quentin Revelation. Let's go. <laughs> so he says, and ye shall what? Oh, you're making some notes. Okay. I hope you take note of the note you are taking. <laughs> so he says, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Ah, the first one he says, I will give you rest. Now he says, you shall find. That means you are you are the one who looks for this rest. You shall find rest. So the Bible is not giving us two rest. The, the first is what? Rest giving. The second is rest found. So the condition to receive the first kind of rest is faith. That's salvation. So salvation is a rest. Are you following? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we who have believed have come to rest. That's salvation. But now, he says, take my yoke. That means labor is involved. You have to carry something. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What does it mean? Come with me to Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 20 and 21. You understand what it means by learn of me. By so doing, you understand the yoke. <laughs> he says, but you have not so learned of Christ. Land of Christ. Land of me. Land of Christ. Look at the next verse. What does, what does it mean to learn of Christ? He says, if so, you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Learning of him is learning the truth. Learning of him is being taught in him. So technically, what does it mean to learn of Christ? It means to learn his his word automatically what is the yoke every revelation is a yoke the labor to get it is a yoke so if it is fasting you have to do to get it you do it and I'll shock you now now open with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 <laughs> Oh, this is good. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Hebrews chapter uh, Hebrews chapter four, the verse eleven. Watch that. Watch that. Hebrews four eleven. Now come to the verse ten. This thing is too good. He says, "For he that has entered into rest, he also has seen from his own work as God did from his work." Now look at the verse eleven. Look. He says, "Let us labor, therefore, to enter." He has already told us that we have already entered. He's not talking of a different rest. He says, let us labor too. So there is a rest that you have to labor to enter. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, question. How do we labor? Look at the next verse. He tells us how to labor. The 
For the word of God is. So question. How do we labor? We labor in the word. So hear me. Studying, memorizing, meditating and reading the word of God is work. As far as God is concerned, many of you Christians are not in business. And I'll prove to you soon. You're not in business. You are slothful and lazy. You don't want to work, but you want to eat. The last time I checked, the Bible says, whoever does not work must not eat. In spiritual language, if you don't labor in the word of God, you can't expect to eat of what God has done for you in the word. James chapter 1, the verse 21 to 25. You understand that studying the word of God is labor. So you can't tell me you read the Bible for five minutes. That's a story you are reading. Yeah. He says, wherefore, do what? Lay apart what? All filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted. Engrafted. The word engrafted means implanted. So the word of God has a destination. Your heart is the soil. If the word of God is not planted, it will be powerless. Hear me? The word of God is a, in a book, our words. The word of God in a heart is life. So, he says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which has the capability to do what? To do what? To do what? To do what? Save our souls. S-O-S. <laughs> Save our souls. SOS. Now, why did he say lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness? Which means that after you are born again, your spirit man is saved, but your soul still has filth and nothingness there. There is a certain stubbornness you still inherited from Adam in your soulish realm because your soul is a makeup of your mind, your, your will, and your emotion. In question, that our soul, that's what the Bible is saying in three languages. So if it was to be read in chi, he says, therefore, This is Isaac Rapapo translation. <laughs> My chi translation. But I love the first one. Wherefore, <laughs> ah, so that's the that's the wherefore. Okay, the wherefore is tear. Okay, 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 okay. Let's go. I'm teaching good here. This is good. This this is fresh from the the oven of heaven. Is the thing working? Yes, oh, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working. 
Now, so now he's telling us there is filthiness in the soul of every believer. Uh, am I not righteous? Yes. Am I not washed by the blood? Yes. But these are realities in your spirit. So he's telling you there's filth and superfluity of nothingness in your soulish realm. Because the fall affected the tripartite being of man. It affected his spirit. He became muted and spiritually dead. It affected his soul. His mind was corrupted. His will was influenced by the devil and his emotions was controlled by the flesh. And his body became mortal. So in the salvific process, God intends to save your spirit. You are born again. You are a new creation in Christ. But you still have felt in your soul because it is unrenewed. You need renovations. You need to renovate your mind. Because there is filth there. Now, do you realize when you build a house and you don't live in a house for a very long time, cockroaches, rats, death, nature, everything makes the place look old, right? When you come back to live in a house, what do you do first? You do renovations, some touch-ups and stuff to make it beautiful. What God is saying is that the form made him lose touch with you. So by the time he came back, your soulish realm was in a mess. So God is saying, help him to do renovations so he can be able to live comfortably in your life. <laughs> I'm teaching good here, man. Is it good? So he says, and receive. So the only way you can help God to do renovations is to receive with meekness, openness of heart. You, as somebody who is willing to change, willing to change. You know, there are some people, no matter what you do, no matter what you preach, they have got their mind made up that they won't turn back. I'm sorry I can't do much. Even God himself can't do much. But if this heart is malleable, as the word is coming forth, then the Holy Ghost will say, my sister, you have not done well. This week was a bad week for you. You never touched your Bible. You never prayed. Can, we, can you do your homework better next time? That, that's what happens when the word is coming. Though. Then the Holy Ghost is taking the word and he's shaping your life. He's framing your life. He's convicting you. He's, he's beating you. He's lashing you. He's giving you divine punishment. It's like you feel bad. It's like you are not comfortable. All this is the workings of the spirit. But once you harden your heart, you make the word of God inoperative and ineffective in your life and God cannot do much for you. There is no change that ever happens automatically without the involvement of man's will. No matter how God loves you, your will must be involved in transformation. So if your will is not part, the partnership will be broken and breached. Today is a good day, I'm telling you. Receive with meekness. That is telling us the attitude of our hearts towards the word of God. Never hear, listen, read the word of God with a hardened heart. You know, some people just come to church to make up time so they don't feel bad that people will call them that they didn't come to church. You can never be blessed. So you come into his house with thanksgiving in your heart. You enter his court with praise. It's an attitude. You, you receive his word with meekness. Lord, I want to change. I came here so you can rebuke me. I came here so you can help me. Lord, I'm sick. My soul has malaria. Give, give me low fat. And antibiotics. So the word of God is like an antibiotic. 
It's a drug. It's a medication. So some of you have been placed on a three days course. You take one day. You don't come to church again. You take one pill. And you start seeing that. Oh, I said my friend can crawl. We all do that, right? You take medication. It's supposed to be seven days. Over two. Now I say, ah. Now I say, ah. Then I say, ah. Cool. Ah. Young boy. Then you drop the medication there. What is going to happen is that the, the number of parasites, if it was 300, you killed uh, 100. And 200 is waiting for next year. And that one, when it attacks you, you go down. Damn. Tell somebody, damn. I'm teaching God. I'm teaching God. I'm teaching God. The engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Listen. Listen to me. It is possible God has saved your soul, but it's not guaranteed he'll be able to save your soul. It is possible God has saved your spirit man, but it is not possible that he will save your soul. Because it is very easy to be saved from sins by believing. Once you say, I believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I believe he's my Lord. Boom, you are born again. But when it comes to the salvation of your soul, it is not, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and my salvation. Boom, your soul is saved. No. So hear me. Salvation is both instant and constant. It is instant in that it happened the day you believe Jesus. It is constant in that it is progressive transformation. It is instant in that You got born again immediately you believe Jesus Christ. It is constant because it is a progressive transformation. So don't forget the three processes in the salvific process. The first process is called regeneration. The second process is called transformation. The third process is called transfiguration. They're not the same. Regeneration is the salvation of your spirit. Transformation is the salvation of your soul. And transfiguration is the salvation of your body. The salvation of your spirit is instant. The salvation of your soul is constant. The salvation of your body is hopeful. So it is possible you can experience regeneration and not experience transformation. And many Christians are in this place. They are regenerated but untransformed. And for your information, if you are not transformed, it is possible the life you will live will be no different from that of the unbeliever. You do what they do. It's a sign you are not transformed. You know, sometimes I can see a believer involved in all kinds of immorality, all kinds of things, and you're wondering, this guy, he's not born again, he's going to hell. Bro, he's not going to hell. He's born again, but he's unrenewed. He's untransformed. Christ has not taken lordship authority in his soulish realm. He's born again. I'm telling you, he's a child of God, but he's an untransformed, unrenewed child. 
And hear me. Your, your lack of transformation is not only affecting you. It's affecting others around you. You are a bad example of Jesus. You are a bad example of Christianity. You are a bad example of what it means to be born again. I'm told of one man, either Hare Krishna or something, one of these people. I'm told he read the Bible and he, he, he almost believed Jesus Christ. He said he has heard of Christians. He wants to go and look out for Christians outside, whether they are like what he read. He said he never found none, so he didn't believe Jesus. That's how come he formed that religion. And he, had, he won millions of Indians. So you not being transformed, it's only affecting you. Others are involved. Your friends people who are watching you that you don't know they are watching you your children, your husband, your wife they are watching you your life is a bible I tell people there are two bibles one is with you and one is you one is opened by you the other is opened by others and when they open your life what do they see, what scripture do they see have you become the word of God? The Bible says, and the word which was God in the beginning with God, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. So God wants the word to become flesh and man will see and we behold his glory. The glory like us of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Would that behold the glory of God in your life? Would they see fullness of truth? They give you money to go and buy something. Then you tell them the price is another price. You take extra money. And you come and give a, a bad change. That's why I love Sack and I love Charles. If it's 10 pesos, they'll come and put it down. And I've been observing. I said, wow, this is serious. But many Christians don't take note of that. Listen. You are a Christian outside church. Don't forget it. Some of you are Christians on Sundays. A man, he's late now. He owned a pharmacy. And he, he picked one of the ladies from the choir who was jobless. And, and, and brought him to come and help him to do work. Normally, Shusu collectors come to collect part of the money. He said he makes a minimum of 1,200 Ghana cities on a daily basis from the pharmacy. But when the lady started coming, he started making less than 800 Ghana cities. He was questioning what was going on. The lady said, this is exactly what I received until he set the CCTV camera without the lady's knowledge. The lady was doing susu with him. So if the thing costs thousand, she, she takes the money and puts some away. For three months, the man's business came down. And these people are Christians. You hire workers to come and help you to do work and they steal from you and they speak in tongues on Sunday. Who are you reflecting? So now, people don't even trust the church again. They rather hire a Muslim than a Christian. So that Bible is compromised. It's another version. That Bible is compromised. And we speak in tongues every time. Listen, you can still rise up from the bed of immorality and still speak in tongues for your information. You can speak in tongues at will. Mind you, know that tongues without works that bring glory to Jesus is useless in heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. God sees your heart, men sees your works. 
So don't tell me my Christianity is in my heart. It's in your heart and must be seen in your act. Christians cannot be trusted again. What is that Bible? What is that Bible? For your information, there are people who are looking at you and you are not aware they are looking at you. Some are looking up to you. They see the way you greet people. They see how early you come to church and they see you somewhere else doing something else. Don't be the reason why someone backslides. Don't be the reason why someone says, if you, I was looking up to you and you have done this, then I'm also free to do it. Don't be the reason. I told myself that I'll not be a reason or the reason why many young pastors in this church and the members and the workers in this church should fall. I will not be the reason. I will not be the reason. God forbid that you hear me say, you hear it from somewhere that I've slept with the chorister. God forbid that you hear that I've slept with any member in this church. God forbid. God forbid. And this God forbid is not, it's not like I have put in measures and you guys know. You can't mess up. You can't mess up. You, you can't come and tell me you are falling for me. That will be your end. Look for another church. You can't fall for me. There's only one falling. My wife's falling is enough. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm telling you. Don't fall. It's a bad news. So listen to me. See, many of you have become wrong mirrors. Wrong mirrors of God. You know, there are some mirrors when you look at it, instead of being fat, you are looking slimmer. There are some mirrors, instead of looking, your head becomes bigger. So there are different mirrors. So many of you are mirroring, mirroring God wrongly. You have given God a big head. Enough of these things that leave um, I mean, I'm also a Christian, it doesn't matter. Leave me alone. Have we all not sinned? The Bible says, For all have sinned. Are we all not weak? We are all weak. You are weak. Yes, you are weak. Don't be saying that. You know, some people want to generalize the evil they are doing. It doesn't matter. We are all weak. Nobody is perfect. You know, that's the way you make it, you are saying you're not ready to change. I'm telling you. So the word of God comes to awaken you. Listen, the, these days that we are in, eh, if you are not truly a Christian, you will not be at all. Have you seen that you can't carry your Bible to church? Because you are shy, your roommates will tell you that, hey, prophetess. You can't carry your Bible. Meanwhile, you bring a big bag to church and it is filled with makeup set. Yes. Currently, open your Bible and let's check. You'll be shocked. Lipstick, pencil, pen, tissue paper, no Bible, no notebook. Many of us have disappointed God. And I speak as a mouthpiece of God, as a prophet. We are now embarrassed to be called Christians. We are embarrassed. You speak in tongues on Sunday in the lecture hall at 6.30. You came earlier and the whole room is quiet. An opportunity to preach the gospel. You say you are shy. You know, when the word is inside you, it will push you to do things. Yes. 
He says, his word entered me and I was lifted. The word will arouse you to do things. The way lust can arouse you, love can arouse you. The love you have for God, it, will, it can arouse you to do things for God. The word have I hid in my heart. Can you imagine that Joseph called immorality, sleeping with someone's wife, he called it wickedness before God. He called it wickedness. The word of God. Please, be faithful. If you are working for somebody, be faithful. If you are working under somebody, be faithful. Whether the person treats you well or not, be faithful. Give the money that belongs to the person to that person. Don't be a thief. Because you may be thinking you are stealing from that, work, that, that boss, but you are stealing from God. Be faithful. The last time I checked, there was nothing done in secret. Whatever you think was in secret was actually a stadium. In the spirit world, all the demons are watching you and you thought you closed the, the door and put on the light. You think you are smart? No. That light is, uh, that light off in that room is actually a light on in the spirit realm. I'm telling you. And all the demons are watching and laughing. And you see, many don't know that some of you in the spirit, there's a bet on you. God is saying, this one, she will never fail me. This one, she won't fail me. And God has thrown a bet in heaven. And, and they, they said, okay, let's see. I know what to do. And Satan will throw a cap, boom, and he'll show you a video. He'll show you a picture. And then God is saying, this lady, no matter what happens, the temptation will come, but she'll win. And in heaven, they are watching you. Abraham is watching, cheering you up. Samson said, I messed up, so I can't even cheer you. <laughs> Solomon is watching. He said, Medium in Kambi. Isaac and the one is watching. <laughs> they are all watching you. And they are watching you. They are cheering you up because they trust you. Hmm. And the bet was lost in heaven. Every bet that heaven has thrown on me by the help of God I will make heaven proud. Listen, if that is not your goal you become a loose cannon. There is a host, a cloud of witnesses who are looking up to you. The things the Old Testament saints did not have that you have in the New Testament they, they see you too. You should be more responsible. had an account that broke my heart from this church. I know the person will not uh, the, the, the person who told me will not be happy I'm saying it, but I'll say it for the sake of somebody. That somebody who started enjoying the word of God, who was growing spiritually, and then you, you, you had a boyfriend and you had a boyfriend and the boyfriend wanted to do things with you, but she realized the word of God in your church was changing your life. So when you, he, he suggests something, the, the guy says, no, I can't do it. I, I can't sin against God. And, and the guy realized the source was having a good pastor in a good church. So the, the guy threatened him because he loved the guy. He said, it's either you choose between the church or me. And the girl chose the guy. And the guy says, then stop coming to this church. As I speak to you, this young student, because of a relationship, 
has dropped his God. And I almost wept with shipping a human for the divine. What are you looking for? A guy who cannot be trusted. He has not married you. He has not married you. What is the chance that he will be with you five years from now? You have not even completed school. Do you know what this guy is doing? Do you know if he has HIV AIDS? Do you know? And you chose him over God. And he says, don't go to church again. Now we call, she doesn't even pick up. Why? The boy said, don't answer anything from that church. Please, don't become a victim because of a relationship. Because any relationship itself that doesn't want to involve God is compromised to begin with. Because the first time I saw relationship, it began in the garden and God was in the middle. When the serpent came, man fell. So relationship survives in the soil of God's presence. Don't let anybody deceive you. I'm telling you. Don't let anybody deceive you. There is no higher relationship than God. Hear me. Maybe you are trusting God for marriage. That's not come. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is enough. You must believe that first. Don't let anybody deceive you. To think you are growing. To think that you are wasting time. What are you telling me? Do you know who God is? Do you know what he can do to you? And for you? And in your life? Do you know how he can make your life beautiful? And you say you are desperate. So the guy said I'm leaving you. So, so you chose the guy over God. I... I No, this is a satanic attack. I'm telling you. It's a satanic attack. We were here, another student fell in, in love with one guy and started coming to church. God was transforming him. You can't be in this church and not transform. And this guy is beating you. He's, he's not married to you. The girl will come to church with slaps. The guy called the girl in church. The girl didn't pick up. And the guy came to the church, stood on the first floor, called the girl that he's outside. He should come. The girl went on this second floor and he slapped the girl in church. And they told me. And I said, this guy will sleep in jail today. We organized. We arrested him. He slept in jail. And hear me. When he slept in jail, we, we took the girl there to go and confirm so we can take action. Because this is the first time. He can beat the girl in front of the roommate. Now, this, this guy, human being, you are falling for this, this rat. You see, most of you are falling for the wrong people. I don't know why you fall for stupidity. Hear me. Hear me. When we took the girl there, you, you like what I'm going to say. She denied the guy slapped her. And they released this guy. And we looked stupid before the policeman. I kept quiet. She came here and said, listen, even if it's money that you want, how much does he give you? The guy gives her 50 Ghana. I said, I can do it 100 Ghana cities at least every week. And I gave her the money. She still didn't come back. The last time I checked, I'm told the guy said she shouldn't come to this church again. Now we don't know the girl's whereabouts. He sleeps, a student who has a hostel, the parents, I'm told, are struggling to pay her school fees. They 
They struggle to pay for a hostel for her. And the hostel they paid for her, she leaves there to go and sleep in the guy's house. She doesn't come to the hostel. And I know by this time she'll do four or five abortions. By the time you realize, the guy will complete school and the guy will find a new flower. Then you will come to church and say, God has broken your heart. Huh? So, have you realized that when we measure things, it is we Christians who are wicked and we put everything that our wickedness brought upon us on God. So, God is like a refuse dump. We dump every rubbish on him. Please, I am begging you, hold this God with all your heart because it pays. I'm a living witness. I was born in a Christian home. But I started ministry 15 years ago. This God has not failed me. My life moves from glory to glory. When I started, there was a lady I wanted to propose to. We were friends for about six months. And God told me, because of the new fire you have gotten, don't compromise the fire. Hold on. Because once you start, if you don't take a temptation, I mean, immorality will kill and quench the anointing. So God told me, quit that relationship. That was me. It's not you. That was me. So I had to quit it. I was worried. And God gave me Mama Lee. And she, I believe she is 100,000 times better than what I ever wished for. I'm telling you. Because I've never seen any strong woman than her. I've never seen any strong woman. So listen, if working with God involves sacrifice, you will lose to gain. So, so you think you are wasting your time. I am telling you, serving God is not time wasted, but time invested. Some of you are building your future in your service now. So don't be deceived. There is blessings in God. There is blessings in God. Don't let anybody deceive you. Whatever you are doing is an inheritance. Your children will benefit from it. Don't give your children a bad name. There are so many men out there who are having HIV AIDS. So many young ladies out there having HIV AIDS and tempting you with all kinds of things because they want to transfer it. Be careful. Be careful. And hold God and give him time to make you the last time God was bringing Eve out of Adam he put him to sleep that's patience because if man was alive he would have asked God God why are you cutting me Lord why are you removing my intestines Lord why are you removing my ribs he would have had too many questions so God put him to sleep God wants us to rest in the working process and give him time he will bring something out of your life that all will see when Adam himself saw what came out of him he was shocked he says this is the flesh of my flesh the bone of my bone he was it's a wonder how can God bring this out of me God can bring something good out of you and you will see and wonder God what have you done man out of my life I'm telling you you won't have money now like you're looking for you won't have the money now like you're looking for but it's a building process don't compromise your life with super bet you won't have that money now but keep serving God take God serious because there is no shortcut in God's dealing. Have you realized that today you can go to a shrine and you can tell them you want powers to do church. They will give you the power but you pay. Anything that does not come from God can come quick. You know why? The reason why God doesn't give things quick because God works with process and timing. Anything God gives to you ahead of time can destroy you. Israel said they wanted a king now. God says wait. They said now. God gave them sure. What happened? God's original intent was David and because they went ahead of God they had Saul. Abraham
Abraham went ahead of God because he thought God was delayed and Abraham had Ishmael. Today, what Ishmael has done in the Islamic community has caused more damage to Christians than any other thing. It was Ishmael. And after thousands of years, Ishmael is still worrying. Do you want Ishmael or Isaac? Do you want Saul or David? What do you want? If you want David, you wait. If you want Isaac, you wait. You wait. You wait. You wait. You wait. It's hard. I know. I've faced hard times myself. It's hard. It's tempting. It's heartbreaking. When you want money to do things you don't have money for. Keep wearing that one shoe. Keep wearing those five dresses every single time. Repetition of dress is a sign it belongs to you. Don't be intimidated and you give yourself time. Save him. 